Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and I don't suck, and neither does the Pipples podcast, but anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Let's go, Rider Nation. I'm ready. I'm ready. Here we go. It's the Piffles Podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. I'm Alex. And I, I will show you my Regina. Um, do we have to experience it first? Uh, do I need to sing here? What a weekend it was to be in Regina. Oh, it boy. was... I, I, I know we're a writer podcast, but we're based in Regina. And if you don't know what we're talking about, Google it. We made the New York Post. Look, all I'm saying is we're, what, four hours to climax. Okay, so that's yeah. just, yeah. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Um, had a, had, we're thinking about baseball in a cold shower or what? Yeah, we, <laughs> we are here to talk football, and we're going to get plenty of that here. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter at Pod. You can give me a follow at RealAlexD. And as always, I do not need nor want your pity follows at Greg on Sports. And I mean it. And you'll notice we're uh, one person short again today, Steve deciding, oh, look, my family. Oh, I got to do stuff with them. My kid has something. Okay. I'm going to put out a mail carton with Steve's face on it because uh, he's gone missing again. So if, you see, if you've seen this, man, please call 1-800-PIFFLES and let us know. I'm going to try calling 1-800-PIFFLES and see what happens. <laughs> I don't think it's, a, it's not enough numbers. PIFFLES 1? Sure, why not? Yeah, sure. We'll give it a shot. See what happens. Uh, Piffles podcast is brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elvinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. And of course, Piffles podcast is a part of TPPN, the Pigskin Podcast Network. We got some big news to talk about. Let's get to the opening kickoff. All right. So the big news right now in, in Ryderville is all about Key and Schaefer Baker. Out of... Oh. Out of seemingly nowhere, word comes out that he had surgery to repair a torn labrum, uh, hip surgery, and he might be out to start the season. And they're potentially talking six games, maybe more. Yikes, that's not good. Now that I think about it, it sounds like he's been dealing with it all a lot, like most of last season. And it got to the point where they basically said you need surgery or this is never going to get better, which might explain why even after all those NFL tryouts, he did not get a look like he didn't get any offers because it was probably something he was dealing with back then. And it was either hindering him during the workouts or he disclosed it. And they were like, uh, not right now, get better, have another season and come back. Cause I have no, yeah, it surprised me that he didn't get any looks and now, now I think I know why. Well, we all thought that for sure he was going to go. And we, I mean, even on this show, we were saying last year that maybe it was a good thing that he wasn't being used by Jason Moss just to try and, you know, hide him away from NFL teams. Um, but yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense that that's why would they give him a contract in the NFL? Like, yeah, he probably could have been able to do training camps there, but with an uncertainty there, 
if you're an NFL team, why would you why would you take that chance? You can have them next year and make something well, work. And, I'm I'm certain they gave him a physical, and it probably would have came up then. So, yeah, it but it if, sucks for him, but at least even what half speed, so to speak, he he's still a hell of a good receiver last year. Yeah, absolutely. But it also uh, it kind of explains the Jawan Breskison signing. Uh, makes that one a little bit more important. You have a veteran Canadian to come in where you're, I mean, they have some good Canadian receivers on this team, but they're all young and haven't had a lot of play time. So to get a guy like Breskison to come in, uh, yeah, he has the injury history over the last few years, but I mean, it's just an important signing. Definitely Breskison coming in was great. Like when they didn't re-sign McInnes, you were looking at a Elenius KSB Breskison, MLS rotation of some sort in there. While with KSP down, that leaves you with Lenius and MLS before you even get to Breskison. So yeah, Breskison, it was that sign looks way better now. And I liked it before. And maybe this is uh Riley Borsma's path to make the active roster, at least uh, to start the season anyway. Um, young kid, maybe just to get on special teams and and the odd play here and there. You have Mitch Picton as well. So at the Canadian position, they're doing okay, but it could be uh, a depth thing that uh, just that the Canadian depth just may not be there at least to start the season. But I really think one of the big things with the Breskinson signing at that point is you bring in that veteran because until you brought in Darrell Walker, we had a really young receiving core. So Breskinson could help those young guys along, especially a guy like Emelis who I think has big things in him. And Mitch Pickton, yeah, like, dude signed a, what, two-year extension, so he's not going anywhere. And it's good It's good to see. Like, I, I'm, I've never been afraid of our Canadian receiver depth uh, recently. It's kind of nice that way. Well, and Jeremy O'Day, when he was talking about it, actually mentioned that this, you know, opens the door a little bit, maybe for a couple of the, the American receivers, guys like Tevin Jones and Jester Weah was who he mentioned. And to me, it, that opens up Tevin Jones. Um, everyone's so big on Jester, Jester Wea, and he got in. He had two catches for nine yards in his one game last year. And I'm not going to put a lot of stock into one meaningless game at the end of the year. But as an American receiver, you need to start showing something immediately. And with all the chaos that happened last year in that receiving group, especially with all the Americans that were hurt and were missing time. He could not crack that roster. To me, right now, Jester Weah is just another Terrence Nunn, a oh, training camp stud, but can't. He was given every opportunity to crack the roster last year, and he couldn't do it. So, is it still just kind of learning the Canadian game? Maybe I'll give him the benefit of the doubt for the first season, but year two coming up here, if he can't make this active roster to start the season. I honestly, I'd just try to find somebody else. I wouldn't even offer him a PR spot. I, I've been high on Tevin Jones on this podcast several times. I like Tevin Jones. I think he's really good. I didn't think there was that much of a drop off with Shaq Evans, and I'm sure Shaq Evans will fight me on that, but that's fine. He can be wrong. But I like <laughs> Tevin Jones. Like he he was really good in the in the games he played last year when Shaq was out, and whether it was just the team in general or if it's Tevin Jones was that fit in that well, I didn't notice the difference. 
So we'll see if they continue to go with uh, two Canadians starting. Maybe they only do one and go with uh, you know four Americans starting. Uh, maybe that opens the door for Mario Alford to get more more plays drawn up in the first little bit, at least until until KSB gets gets healthy. But I'm actually kind of intrigued by what's going to happen when you have Kelly Jeffrey, who's I guess kind of an unknown as to what our offense is going to look like. But I see this as a Kelly Jeffrey as a guy that's going to play to his players' strengths and not be like Jason Moss and try to fit you know a, a square peg in a round hole. Well, this is where the Phil Blake signing comes in huge. Because if you can get four offensive linemen, Canadian offensive linemen in, that gives you so much more flexibility everywhere else. So, yeah, you, you don't need to worry about two Canadians. Last year, we were starting three at the beginning of the season because we could not hit that ratio. So Micah Tights coming back, Phil Blake playing out on the outside on that defensive line could make a huge difference where – the KSB being out might not be that big a deal because we're only rolling one Canadian at that time. Yeah, I think they're they're pretty set at uh, kind of Canadian spots right now. Um, but with that, that actually leads in nicely into the next topic that we had here with the CFL draft coming up. Obviously, the combine just started in Edmonton. What do the riders need to do at the draft here? Not now. I'm going to be completely transparent and honest. I have no idea who any of the players are in the combine. I have no idea who any of the college guys are. That's just not my thing. I don't follow it. Um, but I do think there's certain positions that the riders should look at. And yeah, maybe when it comes to Canadians, it's just best player possible. But let's kind of go through what they have for draft capital and make your pitch. Uh, what positions would you like to see them go after? So. In the a first defensive round, lineman that will never play in this league. Can we do that? That's that's what uh, Edmonton's going to be busy doing that, right? No, they're going to take, well, in the global draft, they'll take that sumo wrestler. I guarantee you Chris Jones is going to take a giant man <laughs> with all uh, potential over anyone else. He's going to redraft Josiah St. John, and it's going to be a Japanese sumo wrestler. Did you see that straight today? <laughs> I did. I can't argue it because I really believe you're you're probably right there. I read that description of him and I'm like, he's a Chris Jones player. Just a yep. freak athlete. No, like not saying he's not skilled, but just no football acumen yet. Yeah. But just a freak athlete. Chris Jones is going to take that man and turn him into a star. And then cut him after game three. Um, if that. Yeah. Uh, so the Riders have the third overall pick in this draft in round one. They have uh, their own pick here. Where would you go if you had to, If we're, let's go position, just pick by position. Where's the biggest need that this team should be going after? O-line. Our, our cupboard is, I, I don't say it's bare, but it's not where it used to be. Like Zach, Fr- we got Zach Fry. Uh, we got the man of war, Aldo Montoya. Um <laughs> But really, like, yes, we've got – they have some territory uh, juniors offensive – some really good uh, territory junior offensive linemen on the roster that could be the next Dan Clark, could be the next Logan Furlan. But they – with the with retirements and letting guys go, they're pretty bare on that Canadian offensive line. So I think they need – that's where they need to go. 
See, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree on that. I don't think the cupboards are that bare right now. You look at it. You have Philip Lake, Logan Furland, Peter Godber, Evan Johnson still on this roster. Um, okay, maybe he's tell me. Maybe, maybe he's the sixth though. Okay, we're not Josiah St. John Bear. Okay, we're not Josiah right. St. John Bear. We are like a step above. Zach Fry, Logan Bandy, and of course the Man of War, uh, just incredible there as well too. Uh, Diego Alatore Montoya is his uh, real name, but on this show he'll go by Just Incredible. Um, but I mean, they have the thing is, is they have a lot of young, unproven talent. So until these guys actually get into games, it is a, still a question mark. But I think the cupboard there is is getting filled to the point where I wouldn't go first round anyway. Where I think they have the biggest issue is maybe linebacker. They have some, a lot of young guys. You have Micah Tights coming back, which honestly, while it's good, it's kind of a question mark as well. How is he going to be after injury? After, behind him, you have uh, Tommy Bringy, A.J. Allen, and Justin Herdman-Reed. None of those guys scream starter to me at all. They're just like special teams guys. And while you need those guys around and for the depth, if you can get a guy who can come in and, and play some meaningful snaps – and develop him into being potentially next year's starter. I would go there. I would go. So I would go linebacker. I well, if I I have to disagree. I think you need to go up front more. I think DL might be where they go. To be honest, that might be it, where it, they it's, go. It's 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 going to be one of one of the trenches. It's going to be O line or DL because right now Debeer is basically their primary Canadian defensive lineman. They, they got a few. They have two Canadian defensive linemen, Charbel DeBeer and Nicholas Daly. And Daly, and I like Daly, but he played a lot of special teams last year. Like he was primarily a special teamer. Could he get in that rotation on the uh, in the game? I don't know, but I think you got to look at getting a Canadian there to back up DeBeer because if you can start eight Canadians, oh my god! But then again, with the new. Fake Canadian rule. Who know? Who knows what's actually going to happen here? Technically, Michael Johnson technically counts as a fake Canadian right now. Yep. Um, I would personally go deep line second round, and then just see what. And then honestly, after that crapshoot, just take out linemen the rest of the way. Who cares? Pick the best player available at that point. Yep. Uh, you'll find some some depth guys, fourth, fifth round, and who knows. Maybe one of those guys turns out to be a, an active roster player. Take some Saskatchewan me, players. I'm I'm sick of BC taking all the players now. Because to me, when you look at the the draft, and I know it's important every single round, because I mean they found Keen Schaefer Baker in the fourth round. Um, who's the guy that they had a couple of years ago that played a bunch that was drafted in the eighth round? It was a receiver, oh, and I'm blanking on his name. Francis. Right now. No, no, that's nope. no, Kevin Francis was the other one. Um, but it was it was a receiver. Oh. Yes, and I know, he, I know, I can. And he, he he wasn't bad by any means, but if you can get a guy in the eighth round, seventh round, sixth round to make the active roster, to me, that's a big time win. So if you can find a it was guy. The first year, it was the first year they had the eighth round, and now it's like, I used to know this off the top of my head, because he's the only eighth round player that's ever played a meaningful game. <laughs> I just can't think of his name now. Oh, God damn it. That was a Chris Jones thing, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Wasn't he on the Chris Jones team? Kevin Francis is no longer on the Chris Jones team. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's don't get me wrong. Okay, so here, here's the thing. Here's the thing, players. If you listen to this, and I don't know how many players actually listen to us, if you sign with Chris Jones, this is the tail of Scorpion and the Frog. You know you got the Scorpion on your back, and you know when you get to training camp, you're renegotiating anyway. So I don't know why this shocks anybody. And watching him like melt down on social media, I almost felt bad for the man. Because I knew it was coming. Everyone else knew it was coming. He was the only one who didn't know it was coming. But now he's like asking to be released, and good luck. <laughs> He'll keep you out of spite. Oh yeah, he will. He will. He will make sure you stick stick around, and then eventually he'll move. He'll he'll move on to you if he can move you. Just ask Sean Lemon. But Josh Stanford, by the way. There you go. I'm Thank you. Um, I knew if I talked long enough, you'd figure it out. Yeah. Uh, um. No help whatsoever. No. None. Um. But I just think going into the draft and again this is still we're more than a month away from the draft is is if you can get an impact player with that first pick a guy who can actually play uh not maybe just special teams but rotate in what doesn't matter what position if you can get a guy that can do that in the first round then just build those trenches from there on out if you can get like it's, it's just to me like if you can get a linebacker defensive back yeah I don't want to say a skill position, but like, because they're all. I hate the, I hate the, I hate the term right? skill position. Right, because like you're telling me old linemen aren't skilled. <laughs> of course yeah. they are. Yeah, they are. Like, but you, like, you, believe me, we we've seen the the difference between skilled offensive linemen and unskilled offensive linemen. We had a lot of unskilled <laughs> offensive linemen last year. Yeah. So if you can get a guy that can come in and and you know rotate in and one of the other positions and then just build the trenches the rest of the way of the draft. I think they're set up to be able to do that. I think at some point, and I understand they signed uh, Saskatoon's kicker, who's or U of S's kicker, who's who's uh, name's escaping me right now. Solly, but yes, David Solly. Yeah, yes, David Solly. Yep. You need to plan for Lothar's eventual goodbye. I I don't know how much long. Like if Hiram Hiralahu can bounce around the league and mayor can bounce around the NFL. How is Lothar not getting a look? Like it is baffling to me that that man with his leg and his consistent, usual consistency, if he's not hurt, hasn't even got a sniff in the NFL yet. There's mayor kicking everything like wide, right? Like it's NFL uh, legends mode. Like <laughs> I don't get it. And he still gets signed consistently. And usually by the Cowboys, which is okay because I love watching the Cowboys lose. Like it, like he's got pictures. He's got pictures of, of the Cowboys owner. I swear to God, that's one of my favorite January traditions: watching the Cowboys lose. But I think at some point you got to plan for the eventual Brett Lothers leaving because he's got higher ambitions, and I don't blame him. Oh, at some point, at some point, he's going to have to pull a uh, Hiralahu and a Meyer and just, I'm not playing until I'm playing down in the NFL. So, well, maybe that's a fourth round, a sixth round type pick that you could do and keep him around, keep that guy around for a couple of years until Lothar does decide to 
say see ya. Um, one more final note here on the on the draft. The Riders do not have a fifth round draft pick. Traded it to Montreal. Ended up getting Mario Alford. I know. Would really like to have that. Not fifth a round. CFL All Star. Not yeah. a CFL All Star Mario Alford. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I'll take, I'll, I'll take a fifth round pick for Mario Alford every single day. So yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I I I'd, I'd want at least an All Star for a fifth round pick. <laughs> What a um, joke that is. God, I hate that. Yeah. Uh, you want to hear a joke? Go back to uh, St. Patrick's Day last week and <laughs> go to sports and go to go to Sportsnet's um, social media feed because they triggered all the CFL fans. And once I saw when I first saw the thing, I was like, oh, here we go. Let's uh, click the comments and see what the CFL fans had to say. And I was not, not disappointed. Uh, St. Patrick's Day, who has the best green jersey? And, of course, it was the Celtics. It was the Dallas Stars. It was uh, – who else was on there? The the Celtic Rangers, I believe. Um, it was the soccer but team. Think, it was... but, they had, but they had five of them all wearing green jerseys. And, of course, there was a spot for other, and there was no – CFL team. There was no Saskatchewan Rolls. Oh, they, they, no they, they had the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, the Packers. Yeah. But there was no no CFL. And of course, CFL fans come defending the league. My favorite part, my favorite part was the amount of non riders or Elks fans that were just piling on. Guys. What are you expecting? Like, I guarantee you, Justin. I guess it was it was a Tim and Friends tweet, wasn't it? Uh, I think it was from Sportsnet. I don't think it was. It may not have been a Tim and Friends. I'm sure they all posted it as well. But I, I, I can I can guarantee you, Justin Dunk was like just shrinking, going, "I want nothing to do with this because I go on Tim and Friends at least once a week." Yep. And it was. Fun. I enjoy chaos. Watching Argos fans try to defend the Riders' honor is great. <laughs> for Watching Calgary had, for the first time, we had Calgary Stampeders fans saying, "What about the Riders?" Yeah, what about the Riders, Calgary fans? What about the Riders? <laughs> but how about them, Cap? No, sorry, wrong, wrongly. I, I, I knew it was coming too. Like. Peel back but the what, the, Pip, the Piffles DMs were quite funny that day. It was just but a, what do you what do you expect from Sportsnet though? They don't take the CFL seriously. Like Tim Tim and friends, like Tim McAuliffe. Tim does. Tim McAuliffe. He loves love that Canadian football. I would love Tim McAuliffe to have something to do with the CFL. Obviously, you can't due to probably licensing rights. But if sport if Sportsnet had some CFL content. Or they could have access to some CFL content. Tim McAuliffe would be friggin' perfect for it, yes. and that's why he has dunk on all the time. They he dunk he at least covers the league because he has dunk on. But but it's no different than like remember when TSN launched that entire like thing and they didn't have the CFL player, and then I photoshopped the rock on and people thought it was serious about the XFL. Like CFL fans are the most triggered when it comes to anything of hey, like my league. Guys, we all know how good the league is. Love the league. 
and screaming at some poor social media manager is probably not going to help your cause because they don't care. Well, and that was my whole thing. I'm like, Sportsnet does not care. But guess what? It got them impressions and their tweet showed up more and more and more in everybody else's feed because other people were yelling about it. So they won. Google the Streisand effect, people. Google the Streisand effect. <laughs> um, I want to go back to something we had last last episode. We had Sarah said on the show from uh, Homestand Sports. And you and her are still wrong. You and her are still wrong. I would like to point out that pretty much everybody on social media agreed with us. I I do not Rockets. agree with Elon Musk Twitter. I refuse to agree with Elon Musk's Twitter. Listen, I, I I don't know how to describe it. It's just accurate, okay? So based off the heels of that, somebody tweeted, and I know they said it, tongue firmly planted in cheek, in jest, put Elon Green in the Plaza, Plaza of Honor. I laughed, and then I th- started thinking about it. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, absolutely. Elon Green should be in the Plaza of Honor. He should so be in the Plaza of Honor take. for uh, here, here. Here's here's my here here's my reasoning why Neil on Green should be in the Plaza of Honor. He kept two Hall of Famers off, off the field. That's how good he was, Henry Burris <laughs> and Kevin Glenn. Kevin Glenn, and yes, Kevin Glenn's a Hall of Famer. I don't care what anyone thinks. He will be probably. I mean, when is that? Next year he's eligible, or the year yeah, after? Yeah, next year. Whatever, yeah, next year because like, he, he he wouldn't quit playing. So yeah, he's yeah. He may, he may not be a first ballot, but he will get in. But here's – I did research for this, okay? I spent a good what? solid three – We I do not do – sir, we do not do research for this show. Three whole minutes looking this up. I'll never forget 2003 had an 11-7 record. Okay, that was the first time in a decade that they had a no. winning record. Yeah, um, I remember. Neil on Green being the quarterback. How many Saskatchewan Rough Rider quarterbacks have won 11 games in a season? Cody Fajardo. Cody Fajardo. Obviously, Neilon Green. Neilon. Darian? Darian did, yep. Kerry Joseph in 07. Oh, so is it Kerry Joseph? Oh, it was good. I was like, Kerry, yeah, Kerry definitely did. Okay. Kent Austin Obviously. in 93. Yeah. And Ron Lancaster a whole bunch of times. Yep. Six. Six quarterbacks in rider history have won 11 games in a single year. Almost seven. Tom Burgess uh, in 94. It was Tom Burgess and Warren Jones. Burgess only started 14 games, didn't win 11. Um, they won 11 games that year, but Warren Jones won a game or two out of that. So Okay. Well, I, I, was, I was like six, to point out, though. Six quarterbacks. Six quarterbacks have won 11 games for the Riders in a single year. 11 and 7, okay? That's how low the bar is for Riders. Well, I was going to say. Like, Elon Green is one of them. Put him in the plaza for that reason. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I, I, but I would like to point out, you're a Rider fan. Disappointment is our love song. <laughs> and we're not used to winning. Like, we're not. I'm sorry. Like, Everyone wants to talk about the good old days with George and Ronnie. Guys, I need to tell you, our good days are recent. Our team has been really, really bad. And then we got good for a bit. And now we're bad again. 
So we need to get good again. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that Neilon Green is one of those six because for a hundred and was it 15 years now? No. Like damn near 120 years. Yep. This team has been bad. I love them n- n- nonetheless, but yeah, Neilon Green is probably one of the best quarterbacks is because we just haven't had good quarterbacks. We, we, we rolled out Seth Dagey as a quarterback once. <laughs> Tino Sinceri multiple times. I was going to say Tino Sinceri multiple times. Rocky Butler became a star on this team. Michael Bishop. And that was after you knew what Michael Bishop was made of. Don't don't even get me started on Michael Bishop. That 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 that, <laughs> that delayed so much. Steven, they couldn't decide between Darren Durant and Stephen Giles, so they went and got Michael Bishop. Like that makes sense. I love I love Grandpa Kenny, but that was his decision, and that was bad. I've never been as angry at a football game and a router game in my life than the 2008 West semifinal against BC. Okay, you were mad. I remember I was at that game. I remember after he threw the fourth pick, someone on the defense flipped the entire training table. I will never forget that as long as I live because they just got the ball back and he threw it right back to them. Ah, good old Michael Bishop. Uh, thank you for strong the ar- strong 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 arm, yeah, strong yeah. arm. Like, d- dude had a cannon on him, and was on the depth chart above Tom Brady. That's right. Uh, anyway, put Neilon Green in the plaza. That's my. I'm not against it. They've got they've got people in the plaza. That even sometimes I'm like, really, you're a plaza player? Okay. <laughs> uh, last rider note here uh, on the opening kickoff is: uh, Did you get the email about the touchdown Atlantic Charter that the Riders are doing? I actually kind of I, like I probably I probably did, but I didn't actually look at it. It's two thousand bucks, and oh. you go, you get three, or you get the charter on uh, to Halifax. You get three days in the hotel, game tickets, all that kind of stuff, and alumni, and a whole bunch of other things. I'm like that's actually not that bad, two thousand bucks. So well, for a, for I, an all in sports trip, that's that's decent actually with I'm, airfare. Yeah, yeah, and I'm glad the team's doing that. They should be doing this more often. You're starting to see. BC doing that, we'll send one charter flight out to Regina for X amount of price. So if, if you can start doing that and getting your fans to travel a little bit, it's just great for the league overall in general. So I like that the team's doing this and it's something new and exciting because I've seen other teams do this over the last few years. And like, you know who wants to travel is Saskatchewan fans. And they're given the opportunity to. Um, hey, psst, and don't give them ideas. We got a bus to sell. Don't give them ideas. We got a bus to sell. Oh, yeah. Speaking of the bus. Uh, so that's the open kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal Page Regina Realty. Ready for the underdogs, the upsets, and the unbelievable action from DraftKings Sportsbook? The biggest tournament in college basketball is here right now. New customers can bet just $5 on college hoops and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code TPPN. New customers bet $5, get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Win or lose. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Uh, Let's jump to our Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. Uh, The Banjo Ball Bus trip uh, is a good one. I didn't even look at the uh, lineup. I just... Like, there. Don't give them ideas. We got a bus to sell. 
it's literally the next thing on there right now. Actually, we have a contest going uh, for this uh, bus trip. Um, if you sign up for the Bajo Bull bus by the end of March, just put a $50 deposit down per seat, uh, you're in the running for some rider gear. So we're going to deck people out on the bus. We have tons of prizes uh, to go on that bus. If you have any questions, I mean, we've done this bus a few times. You think about going to the Badger Bowl, don't really want to Sometimes go annual. Sometimes annually. Yeah. Don't want to go you yourself. Know, but... Something happened in 2020 and kind of stopped the bus for a little bit. But yeah, we're back. We're back. We're back. Um, so just uh, shoot us a note, get a hold of us. And uh, we'd love to have you join us to Winnipeg because it's a great road trip. And it's just a blast. So I'm looking forward five hour, to it. Five hours of hanging out with me. I thought we we're trying to sell it. Okay, 10 hours of hanging out with me. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's fun. Uh, um, I've obviously I've always had a fun time. Like we get down there. Uh, actually, the thing I, I probably enjoy the most about it is, and I don't tell the Winnipeg people I say this, the tailgating Winnipeg is fun. It is actually. You, you, you get the like say what you want about in, in, inaccessible uh, group stadium. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's hard to get to. But they have, they have a decent setup for tailgating. They actually have a setup for tailgating. You, you can wander around. Bomber found fans are usually friendly, especially the ones that we know. And we go we go usually aim towards their area. So, yeah, it's a ton of fun. And we're going to be by the rum hut like we always are. And just try not to go pee a lot because those concourses are very narrow and are hard to get through. But you get shawarma con. Yes, on the other side of the of the stadium. I will. That's going to be my, my first stop. You think if I Shall ask we... for them to play the uh, Matt Nichols uh, cancer PSA, they'll play it for me? <laughs> Start booing again. That's my uh, that's my favorite yeah. memory of any banjo ball is is the Bomber fans booing Matt Nichols trying to raise money for cancer. <laughs> um, we're talking about the Maritimes going out for the Halifax game. Um, the league apparently now is going to push harder than ever now to get that tenth team. Is it ever going to happen, Greg? If they call it the Schooners, no. Because it came out that the people that actually own the Schooners name are no longer interested in owning a team. So that ownership group is now washed out, and they still hold the trademark until 2035, 2030, something like that. So, yeah, this team will never be the Schooners, which is probably good because the name is cursed. The CFL is the only league to ever announce a team named the Schooners or just name a team twice and not actually make it happen. So congratulations, CFL, for setting a record. But I don't know. Like it actually makes sense. They they kind of need to make it happen. And we, we actually I think we said it originally when they announced the schooners, do the temporary stadium like they did in BC. And right. apparently Randy Ambrosi is listening to old episodes of Piffle's podcast because that's what they're planning on doing if they can put a team out there. So it makes sense because if they have 10 teams, they could legit have five games a week, which then increases their TV revenue, which means they get more money, which means this league can grow. So, yes, I think they, if they can bear the market, they should. Montreal's new ownership definitely makes things interesting. Uh, when you have a another certified billionaire as an owner in this league, 
I, I think you're in better footing than you were two weeks ago, three weeks ago, before he bought the team. But they at this point, the CFL, if they want 10 teams, they need to do it soon and try to find an arrangement with, even if it is with St. Mary's, do what they're, what, what they're currently doing in Montreal, playing out of a college stadium. Like, build, build a fan base. Get a team out there. Do something. You can't you can't keep on putting these touchdown Atlantics trying to go see the markets here. Well, no, it's a ton of people just traveling. So yes, it raises a lot of local revenue, but it's all tourist revenue. You need to show them that you can do a sustained revenue. So unless so if you can't find local ownership immediately, maybe you just plant the seed, own the team as a league, which I know is not ideal. If you show them, hey, we built it, they will come. Someone goes, hey, I like making money, might step in. My worry is that they push to go too fast into this and just get an ownership group that isn't in it for the long haul, just for the sake of having you know, the 10th team. And then all of a sudden, you look what happened with the Ottawa Renegades. A couple of years later, the team's not very good. They fold, and then that's just worst case scenario. Like, what's Lonnie? What's Lonnie Gleiberman doing? Can we sell him a team? Oh, Mardi Gras out in the Maritimes. Yeah, hey, have, you hung, like a, have you have you hung out with East Coasters? It's that, not that, that far. That actually sounds like a like a decent time. Actually, um, I hope it happens. I don't see it happening anytime soon. I know they want to push for it. And I I, I honestly happen, think it is. I understand. I understand, but a tenth team would help this league so much. But they have to do it right. Obviously, they have to do it right. But a tenth team would definitely help them in the revenue department, especially when it comes to TV contract. I, and I understand Bell is a big market, but with the new owner of the Alouettes. I think that opens re- options to go. You can actually go to Bell's like, well, yes, you're an owner of a team. And yes, you have the mar- the market share right now, but we also got this guy right here. Who's also an owner. Who's also putting money in the team as well. So it kind of lowers the hostage situation we're in. Maybe hopefully. Ooh. I wonder if it opened the, the opportunity for, okay. Yes. It- TSN still going to get four games a week, but if they have a 10th team, that one extra game, we're going to put that somewhere else. And with this Montreal owner who, for those that don't know, owns TVA Sports, which is the direct competitor of Bell's RDS, the French. RDS. Yeah. So, I mean, you have an owner of a team. Um, with no being... no skin in the game, technically. Yeah. Uh, so, that creates that possibility. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall with uh, with that whole conversation, just with the the board of governors and Randy Ambrosi. Be like, do we let this guy in? Like, he owns TVA Sports, and we really need RDS. I I honestly I honestly think it came to, hey guys, do you want to keep on footing the bill for Montreal? No. And then like eight teams went no. <laughs> That's how it probably went. Because yeah, the league 
held what Montreal for over a year before Stern and Spiegel stepped in. Like it had to happen at some point, and I'm just happy they found an owner this quick. I just want to know when Quebec is now going to get their own division. Oh, Pierre Carl. Pierre Carl. <laughs> that that is a Quebec referendum joke for the the folks that don't follow uh, 1990s politics and Canadian politics. Anyway, uh, Grey Cup 2025 going to Winnipeg. So just like the the banjo bow bus trip. Maybe we'll throw one together for a great cup. Let's see what happens. Hey, I'll, I'll gladly. It's the day before my, apparently it's the day before my birthday. Randy Ambrosi announced the game on my birthday, which is a Monday. Like, oh, they're, they're getting really goofy with the schedule. Play, playoff games on Saturdays and a Monday. They're really trying to avoid the NFL. Yeah. But it turns out it is the 16th. So, but the a Riders Great Cup in 2025 in Winnipeg would be awesome for me. Because I enjoyed watching the Winnipeg fans cry last time. Um, and the uh, 2023 Hall of Fame inductees were announced. I don't think there's going to be any surprise here with uh, um, some of the names. Solomon Elamimian, of course, definite first. Go yellow, man. Go yellow, man. Um, John Bowman, um, absolutely. You knew he was going in. The one that kind of uh, surprised me was was Josh Bork. And when you think about it, you, you looked at him then. Yeah, he was a good offensive lineman. You never really thought of him as a Hall of Famer, but you look no. back at it now, you're like, damn it, that guy was really, really good. But then again, offensive linemen are always underrated. They they are just the quiet guys that come do their job. You don't talk about them unless they're terrible. Hi, Evan Johnson. But <laughs> <laughs> wow. he was bad, man. I'm sorry. He was bad. <laughs> if you're an offensive lineman and no one talks about you, you're doing your job. Plain and simple. Same thing if you're a DB and no one talks about you. You're probably doing your job because you're not being thrown at. Yep. So, yeah, Josh Bork, dude respected. No one talked about him. Did his job. So, probably well-deserving. Uh, Lloyd Fairbanks and Larry Crawford round out the players, uh, the builders, uh, Jacques DeSalt, and uh, Larry Smith, former commissioner as well. So, And uh, big in the Alouettes as well. And just we, Larry Smith, his time as commissioner is always going to be debated because he was big into the uh, U.S. expansion era. So, um, and in the media wing, uh, John Hines, uh, Vicki Hall, who actually becomes the first woman to ever be inducted into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. So, congratulations on that. That's super cool. Super cool. And and Chris Schultz going in in the media wing. Um, God, I miss him. He was so good on the panel. As great as he was as, as a as a player, he was just that much better on the panel. I didn't even realize he's not in as a player. The fact that he got in as media first surprised surprised me. <clears throat> Excuse me, but yeah, like I I miss Schultzy. Like he was a personality. He in the early days of the TSM panel, he made he was the stir the stirred a straw that stirred the drink. Sorry, and yeah, I I, I miss that man. He was always fun to watch well and he was entertaining but he wasn't goofy about it which is where they're going now with milt and they're, davis they're Sanchez. trying too hard they are trying too hard yeah they, like this they're <clears throat> I, I 
And I, I, I apparently realize this. I'm apparently a big Chess fan, and there's a bunch of people that hate David Sanchez. Apparently, I, I like him, but yeah, they're trying too hard. I so. think on the CFL panel, Chess is fine. I don't like him doing all the sports books things that they had him doing for the NFL playoffs and whatnot, where he's bumbling around, not saying anything. When you need something in depth, that's not your guy. And they're really pushing it, and it's just bad. But anyway, whatever. That's I don't like, I, 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 I get I get the chaos with well, I get the chaos of having done again and and um Melt. Um, well, yeah, Dunnigan and Milt doing their thing. I, I, I'm, I was never a Jaw Climby fan, so whatever. I, I, but I also like hearing from a defensive side. Like David, you're right. Davis on the panel is great because at least we get a defensive side of someone talking about the defense because you know it, Dunnigan and Milt aren't. So I, I'm glad to hear that aspect of it. But I'm curious on where we're going to go in the next generation, because I think there's some, there's some really good guys coming that are ending their career or, or near the end of their career that I think are going to be very good for that panel. And I would love to hear a voice. I would love to hear an offensive lineman voice. I would love to hear a defensive lineman voice. Like it's always quarterbacks. It's always receivers. Like I would, I, I, that's one thing I miss about Chelsea. He was always talking about what's happening in the trenches and he would talk about that. And we've lost that since he, he came, went off the panel. But you know what they're going to do with the next person? It's going to be bullied by Mitchell. Probably. So, yeah. you know who I really want? I would I would like to see Derek Dennis on that. On that, because he's kind of said that he's probably near the end of his career. I think Derek Dennis would be a per- perfect person for the CFL panel. Well, he majored in communications, so he knows the media type world. Like yeah, yeah you, you look at your Bo Levi's, yeah, you look at your Bo Levi's, you look at your Derek Dennis's. There's a ton of guys in the CFL that are great personalities, but you know they're go- the the minute that Zach Claros decides to retire, they're going to call him up and put him on put him on the TV. Because unfortunately, quarterbacks get a lot of play. I'm like, who cares? Give me a personality. Give me a guy that can tell me what's going on in the middle of the game. And yeah, some quarterbacks are good. Like Bo Levi Mitchell, good at that. And he's entertaining. And he gave Steve the finger. And we love him for that. <laughs> I think that's why I like him so much. I, I almost made a nipples joke. I'm not going to do that. Hey. What can I say? We, we got we, 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 we got we got we got pictures to prove it. That's all that's all anyone needs to know. I was very happy to wear that jersey. But uh who 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 predicted he was going to be a rider this year? Eh, never mind. Yeah, I digress. Who who predicted Mason Nehos was going to be a rider this year? Oh, never mind. Um, <laughs> and there's your uh, mark that down. Yeah, your weekly yeah. checklist. Yeah, my checklist. I I I had to get at least a couple of kicks into the can, but <laughs> oh no, I'm I miss the times where they were not so goofy on that on that day is. I, I love Caperness and everything she does. Like she's awesome. I just wish Milt and Dunnigan weren't trying to 
out funny each other because that's not what they're there for. But that's me. Just put just put Dunnigan and more analyst and get the sling the nasty thing going. I love hearing that. So just just do that. <laughs> well, Piffles Podcast, of course, is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as well to Kathy Festion of Royal Page Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support making this show possible. Piffles Podcast is a proud member of TPPN, the Pigskin Podcast Network. This is Ghost Behind Your Mind by Tyler Gilbert. The ghost behind your mind.